Hello and welcome to the Cracking Cybersecurity Podcast. My name is Anna, editor at TICE, and this week we are taking a look at women in cybersecurity. On this episode, we've got a host of brilliant women in the industry who are really making a difference, such as CISO at Talis eSecurity, Bridget Kenyon, on learning how to deal with the ingrained prejudices she's faced along the way, Amber Bohm, security evangelist at Avanti on language, education, and AI. Plus, we'll hear from Dr. Rachel O'Connell, founder and CEO of Trust Elevate, a really interesting company that allows parents to manage their children's data and how it's being used. Finally, we've got Nikki Cosgrove, who's responsible for cybersecurity strategy at Proofpoint for the international markets. The company was recently awarded Best SME Security Solution by the SC Awards. And of course, I'll give you a cyber tip of the week. But for now, here is Amber Bohm from Evanti Security, who begins by illustrating the problem with our education system. We don't always fully think through the consequences of some decisions. So, um, for example, if you decide to teach uh, coding to girls in school and you bring a bunch of uh, male uh, software developers to that group to teach them and you don't have women with you, I don't think, again, it was intentional and maybe you didn't have women available to teach those things, but... Uh, whether you meant it or not, you're sending a message that uh, women aren't actually successful in this field or don't uh, belong here or can't really handle it. If you don't have that physical representation, uh, you don't make sure that you bring women in that field to interact with girls who are interested and show them that it's possible to achieve these things, then um, just speaking the language doesn't help because I you have to know that you could get into that field and be successful and there is room for you there and that's only going to come with that face-to-face interactions with women um, in those situations are they happening i think they're happening but again i see uh, myself um, the intention a lot of times to to reach out and there is that missing um, aspect of having the women themselves to represent um, and I know part of that is that there aren't a lot of us out there um, I think even on websites right so you need to make sure that you feature women on your sites that you um, have them out speaking that you try as much as you can uh, to engage the women in your company in being public faces for your organization so it's having role models for young girls um, the language, the way we speak to them, very important, but having the actual role models and knowing that it is possible to be successful in that industry is important. So tell me, um, I know you're passionate in this quest to enable women to advance in, in, in this field. What are you working on at the moment? Something that I, that's near and dear to me as somebody in marketing, which is that um, our uh, Ivanti is very big on STEM. Um, I personally am very big on STEAM. So uh, I would like to see us uh, talk about liberal arts in, in tech and uh, what even uh, the technology in general is recognizing the importance of, of a liberal arts education when it comes to, especially when we're going into the worlds of AI and when we're looking at um, um, bringing forward machine intelligence to a new level. Um, it's important to be able to uh, look at uh, what this, how this impacts our society, um, uh, how tech 
um, works together with uh, humanity and uh, and uh, the Silicon Valley recognizes the importance of having people who look at technology in a different way, who bring that uh, philosophy, uh, bring uh, philo- philosophical elements in there and look at it from an artistic perspective and, and uh, English majors and how they would uh, teach uh, AI and teach robots to speak um, a language that's much similar to human beings. I... I would like to see that um, brought more into uh, women in tech and I think might actually appeal, uh, might bring more women into the tech field if you let them know that uh, if they choose to pursue something that isn't uh, software development or or isn't uh, engineering or that they still have quite the opportunity uh, in the science and, and tech field uh, to make an impact. And that's, I think... The f- a place to really start to bring more um, uh, visibility and uh, women into the industry is to open it up and, and recognize that there are plenty of people in that uh, sector who are, aren't uh, hard technologists but uh, bring, in fact, a, a different degree into, into the world there. Thanks to Amber. And now to Bridget Kenyon, CISO at Talis eSecurity, in response to my question about whether she faced many roadblocks along her career path. I don't think I've honestly hit, found a glass ceiling that I hit and I had to fight my way through it. Because by the time I reached a senior enough level, there was the, the world had moved on a bit. And the idea of women in senior positions with responsibility, with authority, was no longer completely alien. But certainly at the beginning of my career... I remember I was talking to a person, a gentleman who's acting as a penetration tester, and he was trying to give me some useful advice, as one does. And he said to me, and I, I have said, mentioned this once before, he said to me, well, you do realize that women shouldn't be pen testers. And I said, oh, right, really? In that pleasant, I, you're making no sense whatsoever way. And he, he expounded some more about how... In fact, women didn't really have the authority. And, and if some, a woman found something wrong with the system after she'd attacked it, then no one would actually believe her. So when she came to give a report, it would be very, very unpleasant for her. And he wanted to protect women from being in that situation. So it was, it was really funny. I actually found it funny because he meant well. But his, his world, his prejudices, had shaped his ability to be, friend, be helpful to the point where he was being the opposite of helpful. But yeah, I kind of just nodded and smiled and, and left him to it because you can challenge someone, but what you end up doing is when you, when you say, I think you're wrong, you get two responses. One, people can take it as face value and start working through, working through with you. But if it's about their values, and this was about his values, what they, feel, what they hear is you're a bad person. And do you want to have that battle every time? Or do you want to say, well, is this person's prejudice going to affect me? Is, is he in a position to make a decision that could prejudice my future or change my future? If the answer is no, then you actually have a free choice. You can say, well, I don't see it that way, and describe how you feel, and just step back and be happy. Because, okay, you don't agree. You think what he said is complete rubbish. You don't have to hate him. This is not about... It wasn't, wasn't him about him hating me. It was about him having a fundamental prejudice that was so ingrained into his being he didn't even think no it was there and you can 
describe it, you can talk to someone about it, but hitting it head on, you just get this involuntary reaction from people. Well, hopefully that's on the on the change. Yeah. Um, if there's one piece of advice you could give to young girls out there who are interested in tech, not not so confident in their abilities, perhaps, um, don't know if it's the, the right path for them, what would you give? Oh. Go online, take a gender-neutral nickname so people don't start having making assumptions about you. Or even take a guy's nickname if you fancy it. And just find out what's out there. Go online. Things that, There are many websites where you can go and just learn about coding. Look stuff up. Find things out. Ask questions. Don't be worried if people are surprised that you don't know something. They don't know you. They can't judge you. inspiring children to protecting them. Here is Dr. Rachel O'Connell, founder and CEO of Trust Elevate, who's been selected by the London Office for Rapid Cybersecurity Advancement, otherwise known as LAWCA, to be among their first cohort. Here she is now at the launch of LAWCA last month, who begins with some background about her company. Because my background is in forensics and tracking paedophile activity online and I worked with the Met Police, the paedophile unit, um, Interpol and the FBI. So I spent lots of time in paedophile chat rooms and IRC chat rooms and tracked them across into uh, chat rooms that kids were using. Um, and understood how, and you can get to see how they exchange narratives about how to groom kids. And paedophiles refer to accessing kids online as like shooting fish in a barrel. Uh, it's so easy peasy for them to do and when you don't have any barrier to that and there aren't any mechanisms whereby businesses because businesses you know they're run by people who've got kids as well they they will want to implement solutions um, and also parents want those Um, so I I guess it's because of the years of uh, researching that activity I'm so passionate about leveraging technology education is really critical as well it's really critical but you know what, the real world example of this is back in the 1960s there was a uh, paediatrician called Dr. Henry Brolt in Canada and there was a very high incidence of accidental childhood poisoning. People, kids you know, um, consuming tablets, weed killer, bleach, whatever. And there's loads of information campaigns saying keep these out of reach of children, etc. It made diddly squat difference to the incidence of accidental childhood poisonings and some fatalities. So we went to an engineer and said, let's, let's try and invent something. They invented the child safety cap, right? A 91% reduction in the incidence of accidental childhood poisoning. I mean, it's such a, you know, a monumental change to, um, and, and improvement to the well, a reduction of risk to, to children and young people. Um, so that's why the Vermont, the Canada made it a, a legal requirement for, um, uh, pharmaceutical and and poison, you know, co- companies that are producing bleach, etc., to to implement that. And I think the equivalent of that is age checking and getting parental consent digitally online and doing that in a way that is tokenized and federated, so it's secure and privacy preserving. And I hope that we will look back. In my vision, my hope is we'll look back in five to seven years' time and think, oh my God, remember we used to just let them go anywhere? What were we thinking? And what do you think of parents? just uploading lots of pictures of baby pictures what do you think about that i think it's problematic i think we're just we're almost having a, it's like the internet we've grown up on the internet uh, and 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 re- we're now realizing maybe that's not such a good thing to do that these children do have the right to privacy um but you know as a new parent you're always gushing because you think this is the most beautiful baby ever put on this planet and i want to share um 
But I, so when we embrace social media first, we're all like, oh, wow, it's going to be a positive force. I can connect with people I haven't seen for like a decade. They're in Canada. It's so fantastic. So it does have massive, you know, uh, positive sides. Um, and you get more adoration for your job. But then there's also the other side of that. So I think we have to think in terms of moderation and the right to privacy for children. And the General Data Protection Regulation, for example, puts in place a right to be forgotten for young people. Now, as promised, here is Proofpoint's Nikki Cosgrove on how they are fending off the bad guys. So we got the high commendation for the email security or best email security solution. Uh, and we also got high commendation for the enterprise security solution, best enterprise solution. Again, because we see that most of the attacks coming to, uh, to organizations or targeting organizations, especially large companies of more than 2,000 employees, is coming via the email channel. But consequently, criminals are not, uh, they're opportunistic, right? They're targeting everybody, every size, every vertical, every industry uh, is really being targeted by all of these advanced attacks. Um, and so what we've done is we've taken all of that expertise from the enterprise market and made it relevant to the mid-market and small businesses too, because they need protection. Uh, so we actually won the best security solution for SMEs because we're taking all of that great expertise in the enterprise and making it relevant to the mid-market and small businesses too. Hope you enjoyed that and thanks to all our speakers. And now, time for our cyber tip of the week. Always use a VPN or virtual private network when you use public Wi-Fi. Remember, public Wi-Fi is often unsecured, posing a great risk to users. But a VPN encrypts your internet connection to secure it and protect your privacy. So just bear that in mind when you next want to check your bank details at the airport or shopping mall. That's all we have time for this week. If you like this podcast, please do subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher and review and rate the shows. Thanks so much for all your support so far. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.